I need to know everything. Who in the what and the where? I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's new what you're telling me. I'm curious, George. I hop in the Porsche, with five and a horse. I'm ready for war. I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost. I need to know everything. Now you'll be surprised at the info you get is by letting them talk. Hey everyone, I'm Ashley Asty, and I'm curious, aren't you? I'm Curious Podcast brings the unfamiliar closer. I'm telling stories and sharing conversations with people who remind us that love demands we move toward justice and that we're all connected. This opening music is called Curious George by Nate Rose. All right, let's get to it. I'm ready for smoke. I need to know everything. Who in the what and the where I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's new what you're telling me. I'm curious, George. I hop in the Porsche with five and a horse. I'm ready for war. I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost. I need to know everything. Now they ain't go harder than me. So I came up with the idea for this podcast where all the best ideas come from, which is while I was in the shower, right? <laughs> uh, and it really started because about a month ago, I got a new job. And as many of you might know already, I've spent most of my professional life pursuing entrepreneurial endeavors, working for myself independently, sort of not wanting to be tied down in any way. And I suddenly felt this calling to, you know, a a nine to five job, uh, partly for the stability and also because I really wanted to learn, you know, when you're creating things on your own, you don't always have the people around you who can teach you and show you things. And so I was, I was really hungry for that. But in that transition, I feel like it's this threshold. A lot has come up for me around starting to see who I am and what I value in life and understanding my worth and understanding the places where work aligns with purpose and if it does and just exploring this whole thing. And I was like, oh, because so much was coming up, I wanted to have a conversation with someone about it. And in the shower, (laughs) I... uh, I thought of Zach (laughs) because my friend Zach, who has previously been on this show, um, you might want to check that one out too. It's a great episode about uh, Catholicism and how he left the church. But he is also in this place of transition in his life. After going to divinity school, he, like I said, stepped back and stepped away from the church and therefore started to re-see his whole career path, which has led him on this, you know, trajectory that he didn't imagine and odd jobs and trying to find his way. And he too has suddenly settled down, at least for the moment, into a more structured nine to five job. And so in this conversation, we explore the work, what it means to do the work, the, the professional work, the work that, you know, just gives you health insurance and makes a living, the work that is spiritual work, the creative work. And we try to find if there's places where these all can align and what that looks like. And so I guess throughout this episode, we're asking the question, what makes a good life? And how does work fit into that life? Without further ado, let's dive into it. Um, I didn't even like prepare any sort of opening. Um, but you know, I, I I'll tack something on at the beginning. Yeah, we're we're afterwards. talking, we're doing it. Yeah, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're in it. <laughs> we're in it. Um, so let's see. You and I are going to talk about work and purpose today, 
And as I was saying to you beforehand, I really want this to just be more of a conversation. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just going to be a co-creation and a collaboration rather than an interview, which mm -hmm. I'm excited about. I feel like you're one of the few people that I feel like not only comfortable in that space, but like you not only can meet me there, but like rise way above it and uh, challenge and move me. Well, so, I hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No I'm sure it'll be good, but yeah. um, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was a little almost like worried when we were trying to plan this, and you said, uh, you know, I was kind of feeling out what topics, what direction you wanted to go, and you're like, um, we'll figure it out. Like, <laughs> we're, we're just going to wing it. And I was like, that's very not Ashley to <laughs> very not me which is speaks to maybe the the mental state I'm in or where I am with my work life which I'm sure right. we'll get into um right. but I also feel like there are certain moments or things that I've been going through in work and in life that have sort of moved me to that place of of course I want to be prepared in moments and have a plan and then sometimes it's like no you've done everything that you can and you just have to be inside this moment and mm -hmm. trust that whatever's meant to come through is going to come through Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel. So, but I, I guess I just like going back because, you know, I feel like we have this deep conversation ahead of us. But I want to know maybe we could share each a little bit. What did we want to be when we were little, like when we were growing up? Like, what did you imagine for yourself? Uh, I really didn't imagine very many specific things. I think as a, as a kid, it was you know, like whatever sport I was into at the time, I wanted to go pro in that. And, you know, I wanted to be an astronaut and a firefighter and like all these different things that, you know, you show a career to a child and they go, oh, that looks great. I want to do that. And then they learn about the next one. They go, oh, I want to do that instead. Uh -huh. um, so we all had like the, you know, baseball playing firefighter in space. I love that. Oh my phase, God. <laughs> right? I feel like there's a lot of young dreamers who just create this amalgam of things that they want to accomplish and also be the president and also be a doctor and all you know all those sort of very lofty things but I, I never really thought specifically about what it was I wanted to do um, I think they were mostly sort of conveyed to me as like these are positions in society that you should aspire to occupy rather than these are things that you ought to aspire to do right these are services or, or, or value you can provide to your community um and it was like oh people really respect lawyers you should go be a lawyer <laughs> um which kind of precipitated this like crisis that I'm still navigating now in my 30s where um I was good at school but I had no sense of what to apply that to mm. and so I just stuck out the liberal arts course as long as I could and you know when that didn't work out I was like I'll oh, try a little of this I'll try a little of that and yeah. you know I'm still kind of it's a, it's a long process of floundering and flailing but I think I'm onto something so or maybe I, I'm not, I don't know I, I think so too and I feel like probably to you it feels like more floundering and all of that but from the outside and maybe because I also come from that sort of mindset I'm always like oh no he's following his path he's, yeah. he's like doing it but I, I I totally understand I know we're gonna dive into that more I think for me growing up I and I, I like the distinction you made about like what is what was valued by people, what was seen as like a career that you might want to do. I think what's interesting though is I, you know, I was, I was a good student and I didn't feel that pressure at home though. I didn't feel like my parents expected me to be something. I think it was almost downplayed. It was sort of like, oh yeah, Ashley's smart, but yeah, that's just like whatever. <laughs> 
I felt like I always I always want to be a writer when mm-hmm. you know that's and that's mm-hmm. remained true still the struggle yeah. um I also wanted to be a teacher which is probably just like something that you see like I love school and I loved my teachers and so I had chalkboards in my basement and very in-depth lesson plans that my dolls <laughs> received <laughs> would love to see him if you still have him uh, you know, I must have something somewhere I'll have to share with you, like the intricacies. Um, but that was kind of it. And I feel like as I got older, I actually wanted to like, sort of like you, like buck the trend, even though I knew like people told me like you can, I was good at math. I was good at science. I can go in those things. And I was like, no, English, Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll mm-hmm. figure that out. Um, right. And, you know, at 31 now, I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I, I consider myself lucky that I'm not 10 years into a career that I hate and feel like I'm stuck mm-hmm. on it or that I, you know, have no other options. Um, but it is certainly a trade-off because I could have that much experience at something or I, you know, could have made all those connections that you accumulate over those years. So maybe it was good for my soul, but bad for my bank account <laughs> or um, I get that something to that effect. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't, I mean, I think part of it was, was just my, my parents, my, my extended family, it sort of had expectations for me, but it's also just um, what society shows you, you know, yeah. you, you can gain awareness that, you know, certain careers are really well respected and confer an amount of social standing, even if not, um, you know, wealth. Mm. And that that's something to aspire to. I mean, I ultimately and ended up trying to get a PhD because I wanted to be a college professor and I knew I wasn't going to be rich doing that, but it conveyed a certain amount of social capital and, and, and social standing. Right. And that I think was what attracted me to that career path. Right. So yeah, these things kind of are just floating around in the ether, whether or not they're instilled in you at at the dinner table or anything as as a kid. Oh, I absolutely agree. And I think that's why over these past 10 years or so, not quite that we've, since we've graduated college, I have experienced some shame and mm. around like what I'm doing, or like, if I'm going to see someone I haven't seen in a while or see someone from high school or like to be like, Oh, what are, what am I doing now? Cause it's not the path that one that I think people expected for me. I mean, we went to high school together. I was voted most likely to succeed. <laughs> <laughs> what, about, like, what does that mean what right? does that even mean succeed and, right right and now and like you know five years after college I was like oh my god like I'm yeah. you know I don't even know what I'm doing right, <laughs> I, right. you know that sense of like so there's absolutely been pressure and shame and fear and what does this mean about who I am and am I living up to what I'm supposed to be doing and so whether it's been pressed from family members or not it's always there it's always mm. there mm-hmm yeah, and I think that there's just sort of this like pervasive, like or like this generalized idea of being smart mm-hmm. that is separate from having competence at anything that you could make a living at. Yes. So I always felt like I'm simultaneously a smart person and wholly unemployable <laughs> because I'm smart at things that no one wants to pay money for me to do for them. Right. Right. Um, and this has been like a huge uh, sticking point for just, you know, like, like basic self-esteem issues. It was like, I wish I was like, you know, less smart, but I could code or something like that. You know? <laughs> like I've tried learning a number of times and it's mm. like, maybe if I had to, I could figure it out, but it's not something that like really sticks or that I feel myself wanting to do even. So 
I, I think we don't really have a sense of um, like how to value different types of intelligence, mm. you know? And it's it's just this sort of like vague smartness that then you can translate into a certain type of job or a certain career path. And then that's the stand in for your being smart because if you're a medical doctor, you must be smart because you got a medical degree, mm. you know, and you're, you're a doctor now. So yeah. that, that confers how smart you are. Um, so these career paths become stand-ins for your level of like competence or, or giftedness or whatever it is that you put it in terms of as a, as a child, maybe. And I think you were encoded for something in life that perhaps doesn't conform with being a doctor, not because you're not smart enough or, or whatever, mm -hmm. but you would probably be, and I did the same thing. I, I didn't go down that path because I thought I'd be very unhappy. And so yeah. sometimes it's also a matter of like, something spiritual or something about purpose that's not necessarily aligned necessarily aligned with intelligence the way we see it. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to unpack this more, but I guess to step back, I want to know, I guess, this moment that you're in transitionally with work, like where you are in this moment, if you need to like back up and give us, you know. Sure. Um, so I was in my 20s, I went to divinity school for two years and I got a master of arts in religion in uh, theology. And then I started a PhD at history of religion, basically, was the, was a career path. And the point was go through that and um, become a professor. And there were a whole bunch of issues that I faced there. Um, one, trying to live in New York City on a uh, PhD stipend is, yeah. is near impossible. Um, and I didn't have the financial support to make that work. And then the stress of being in a, in a full-time graduate degree program while also having to take on teaching responsibilities and then add to that the stress of like being strapped for cash all the time, right? right. Um, and then to be in a religious uh, setting, right? And I've, we've already talked in the past about how I had gradually had this stepping away process from the church itself. So to be in a theology department at a Catholic school and be like, yeah, I'm not practicing. I'm not like quote unquote on the team anymore. It just, it, the whole entire thing fell apart very suddenly for me. So in the years since I've tried my hand at user experience design, I got a real estate license. I tried going into a number of different like you know, more corporate friendly type mm -hmm. career paths. And a lot of it didn't really pan out. Um, so I kind of bounced from like temporary gigs to, you know, part-time openings to trying to do the real estate thing and not having a lot of success at that. But I think you, you hit on something earlier where it's like, you know, we both are alike in that we choose not to do things that aren't satisfying, mm -hmm. or fulfilling. And it, it's a great luxury to be able to do that like I have the support system mm -hmm. where if I need to come home for a while right. and figure things out, I can do that. And a lot of people aren't lucky enough to have that. Um, but I've worked in restaurants too, in between. And I know, I know what that's like too. So I don't know. I don't know how to really like make sense of the last couple of years of my life, but I think basically I've gathered enough different types of skills where now I'm back at like a small business on Long Island and I'm doing a whole host of operations and administrative things and 
basically just running most of the office on a day-to-day basis. And now that job like yours is like very rapidly scaling into higher and higher level responsibilities, which is really cool. And it's not someplace that I see myself staying long-term, but I am becoming something, I think, Mm. um, on the job, which is really like a really gratifying process to go through. Yes. So yeah, you said you're you're becoming something on the job, even if it's not a place you want to stay or not see yourself mm-hmm. long term, or maybe wouldn't have chosen if other things had panned out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I feel like yeah, even like my I have a, a new job, and my boss had asked me the other day, like we hadn't really gotten a chance to like talk one on one about how I'm feeling, and I I said like I I'm learning subtle things about myself that I don't even think can be named. Mm. But I'm going to ask you to maybe try to name some of those subtle things. Like, what do you, what do you mean by you say you're becoming? Uh, I don't even know if I know what I mean by that, yeah, but yeah. really it's, it's a lot of really small things that are happening all at once. Like I used to have a lot of trouble sticking to a normal sleep schedule. I'm able to get up and get into the office mm-hmm. at 8am every day. Um, I am more comfortable on the phones with people I'm more comfortable representing the office, um, whereas I think I was like very shy and afraid to be out in public if it was any sort of like, mm-hmm. there were any sort of stakes attached to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I can go and socialize with people, but as soon as I had to go do something for work, I would sort of shy away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm learning how to, how to like, this, this job I'm in right now, there's a lot of like, oh, we don't know what we don't know about how things work here. Um, there are a lot of problems that I've been tasked to not only fix, but find and fix. So just the really basic like logic and problem solving skills are getting dusted off and mm-hmm. put to use again. And I don't know. I don't know what it, what it actually is, what it amounts to, but it feels like there's things happening inside the cocoon, yeah. you know? <laughs> And um, I have no idea where it's going to lead me or what I'm going to come out like, but it's a, it's a welcome change from like stagnation and just the um, like atrophy that I felt over these last couple of years. And especially over the pandemic where I was trying to get something off the ground and nobody was hiring and there was nothing going on and everyone was laying people off. It feels like I'm waking up to something new. Yeah. I don't know that I have much more to say specifically about it than that. But it's, a, it's the daily practice of it is, is, is the biggest thing of all. It's, it's the constant going back to work. Even if I'm just doing data entry for the day, to, to show up and do it all day is edifying in some, some capacity. Yeah, I was wondering that too. And um, oh, I, I guess this- sense, About building a practice maybe? Yeah, like building a practice and how like maybe this is not the role that you had asked for. Maybe this is not really where you see yourself. And yet you're finding, like you're welcoming it. I, like I'm mm-hmm. feeling that too like where I am in my work life right now like this is not what I planned right. like if other things had panned out for me I, I don't think I would be here and yeah. yet I'm also like thank you every day that I'm here like this is where I need to be here it's this yeah. odd sense of welcoming structure that I didn't think I'd want and because mm-hmm. for so long I I did a lot of work on my own and when I would get a job it wouldn't last long because I would always leave because it just, I couldn't, it, it felt yeah. like, and I know that sounds crazy, but it'd feel like my soul hurt. Like it just, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was exhausting mm-hmm. on this whole other deeper level. And I felt like I was in this box and I needed to break out of it. And it was, I just couldn't do it, which sounds 
you know, yeah. silly and also dramatic. And I also have the luxury of saying no. Of course. Um, and now I'm at this place, like even having wanted to look for a full-time job, like actually wanting it and also right. feeling some sort of gratification being within these confines that I never wanted before. And there's still, like I was saying before, these like mo- moments in my day where I'm just like, oh, wait, is this right? this where I'm supposed to be like is this my purpose am I am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing and then I come back to like I'm being I'm becoming I'm being built for something uh in this trial by fire I'm Mm -hmm. also welcoming structure that I didn't want and it's teaching me about myself and teaching me about what's possible and what I can do that I didn't think I could do before Mm -hmm. yeah there there are two things that resonate with me about that one is just kind of a small note I think the two of us both have like pretty creative tendencies and you've actually produced whereas I'm I have 80 different things in in infancy but I feel the similar drive to want to create something and that's you know we can talk about this later the different types of work that you do and that's Mm -hmm. the type of work that you don't necessarily get paid for and maybe you don't want to get paid for it you want to do it for the love of doing it but it is still work and the feeling of like being in a job that you know isn't good for you um you said your soul was rejecting it but your body will also tell you too like oh, your, for sure. your nervous system will tell you at the all end of the sorts day. of weird things happen to my body during those moments those absolutely yeah and I've had a number of really bad jobs too I mean like some of my earliest jobs I've like I, this is something that I've been through with my therapist like numerous times because I've just had some very terrible jobs and it put me off too all sorts of different types of work at this point in my life. And and it's caused a lot of problems for me as an adult. And there's something that happens when you know you're in a bad place, you're not supposed to be there and it's holding you back or it's damaging you in some way. Um, Your body tells you and your soul tells you. Mm. Likewise, if you're in a good position where you're growing and you're nurtured in some way and you have opportunities and you're making connections with people, you'll feel that gratification even as you become very tired from the, the grind of doing the work and mm-hmm. you're maybe worn out and overwhelmed and very stressed. Yeah. Um, it, it still feels gratifying to, to go through those challenges, you know? Yeah. I think I'm thinking about a previous job that I had. It was really toxic on so many levels mm-hmm. and I physically like, I mean, like my hair was falling out and my hair became like so dry that I would just like touch in my hand it would break like I'd never Mm -hmm. experienced something like that before Mm -hmm. and now I find in this new full-time position as much as it can be overwhelming and uncertain and it's still new for me like I wake up every single day at 5 45 in the morning so I have time to do yoga for an hour and I treat my body well and because it hasn't become overwhelming to the point where it's toxic where all those things sort of drop out and you just can't keep up with them instead I'm still Mm -hmm motivated to honor body and spirit because still somehow it's feeding me yeah even though again like I said this is not what I had planned if you would have asked me when I was younger what I saw for myself or even five years ago what I saw I wouldn't say this Mm -hmm. it's it's funny how immediate that reaction is though whether it's good or bad like you just kind of feel it and it's it's this inevitable thing that you're like oh this is either a great fit or it's a terrible fit but and you're tuned into you're tuned into your body in that way. The, the way that you say mm-hmm. feel it, I feel like 
presence is something that is happens first like through the heart there's like this mm-hmm. guttural physical intuition and i think so much in talking about we talked about different forms of intelligence before it's like valuing the mind like what you think and i think mm-hmm. your mind is perceiving things through its own like distorted lens but there's this like body instinct or embodied mm-hmm. feeling that's part of intuition and that's part of finding your way finding your path and it's it's interesting i i you mentioned earlier you know like we're both the types of people who we won't work a job that's destroying us yeah and like it hurts us in the soul yeah to continue doing these things and i know plenty of people who won't say as much explicitly but they hate their jobs and they resent having to go to them but maybe they make a bunch of money or maybe it converts mm-hmm. a certain amount of social status or maybe it affords them a certain lifestyle or whatever but they do it for those reasons even though it's taking something from them yeah. in exchange and um those people are i mean people wake up at different points in their life i think the pandemic was a really big catalyst for that realization for a lot of people and there you know been countless articles and and think pieces written about like this it was the great resignation that like the hr industry is calling it of people opting out of like very high stress high paying jobs and saying like this is not worth it for me um but you can tell when you see a friend that you've known for a while when something like that is affecting them you you can read it on their face and yeah. in their body language and their energy levels and um all of that so yeah oh that's that's so true and i guess you're getting into something that we had wanted to talk about this exploration of work and purpose and i think what's happened for me as i started to you know think okay i'm going to leave sort of some of my entrepreneurial endeavors which i didn't think i would ever do and leave mm-hmm. the other nonprofit that i was working at and take on this like sort of 9 to 5 thing yeah. <laughs> which i didn't want yeah. but it it made me start really considering what my values are and what do i want my life to look like and mm-hmm. what is a good life to me and all these questions that are circulating around money and freedom to make different choices around money and actually i've been surprised by the choices i've made now that i have more money than i had before yeah. like the, the things i said for so long i was going to do when i you know make it mm-hmm. or whatever and now i'm like mm-hmm. oh wait i'm actually choosing a little bit differently than i thought right. um but you, that's, that's a lot of questions at once. But did you want to speak mm-hmm. to that, that sense of like at this place in your life as you're sort of looking at different options for work or being at a company that perhaps provides stability and mm-hmm. uh, what did that means in terms of creating the life that you want to live? Uh, well, I'm thinking less in terms of like weeks or months and more in terms of years, mm-hmm. which is just a life-changing Thing to be able to do yeah. um and we can talk about how you know something like half the country is in a position where they, they they're living if not week to week like month to month right um i still am not at a point where i can really amass like significant amount of savings or anything i'm mostly just trying to catch up yeah. on on the last couple of years but to have a level of autonomy is really important and yeah. that it's I I don't want to say freedom that like money affords you because you're 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 now chained to this job that affords it to you uh-huh. right so <laughs> you're, it's a too, different yeah. trade off 
Yep. It's not that like, oh, I got this job and I'm making more money now and I'm free. Mm-hmm. It's that I have to keep going back to this job if I want this level of pay. Uh-huh. And then because you're at the job, you have to live in a certain place and you maybe, you know, maybe you work where real estate is more expensive. So the money doesn't go as far uh, and you can't work remote or maybe you can work remote, but remote workers get passed over for other opportunities or other responsibilities. There, there are a lot of those like, what ifs and those little caveats and stuff where everything is attached. Yeah. Um, so I, I hesitate to say that it buys you freedom, but what it does buy you is like relief from the daily sort of worry about like, am I going to make rent this month? Mm-hmm. Or do I have money in the bank in case something goes south? Um, that part of it you can worry less about, but then it's replaced by other worries. Yes. You know, <laughs> I feel I you described it really well, and I feel that because when I use the word freedom, I also feel this sense of like, oh, but now I'm tied to this thing if I want to mm-hmm. continue this style of living. Yeah, and the, there's a phrase "golden handcuffs" that it yeah. explains exactly that, right? <laughs> yes, that exactly, and and I you think you can't leave. You right, you can. But going back to the release part. When I first started working this job, it was so nice because it was like, mm-hmm. oh, like I'm I'm not paying for my own health insurance. Like they are. Like there, there was this sense of like, or even with my creative endeavors with this podcast, or if I wanted to write a book, it almost like took off the pressure for a moment of like, if it doesn't work out, or like you don't have to worry, yeah. like when's your next yeah. order from your business coming in, or when, you know. And I, I almost hate to admit that, that there was comfort in it. There was a momentary comfort in like, oh, this is certain and stable and I don't have to panic like anytime. I don't know, every mm. time I think about my future, like, will I ever make it? And yet there's this balance, this counterbalance of like, oh, now that I'm working a ton of hours and do I have time for the creative outlet? And will that come to burn me at some point if I don't fuel my outside passions if I don't have conversations like this we were talking about it was so hard for me even to pin down a date just to have like a virtual conversation with you because I feel overwhelmed and over time will that become something that's unsustainable and will my soul feel crushed no but I think I think if if you ever get to that point you know what to do you know um and it's easier to do those things if you have tons of savings you know it's there's always some like New York Times piece about, right. oh, this person who was, you know, an executive at this big startup that's worth several billion dollars, uh, they did this thing where they quit yeah. and they just went to, um, you know, just the Pacific Islands for five years and they started a retreat center. And it's like, well, you know, they can do that because they have the savings to do it. So that, that is the sort of freedom that it does confer. Exactly. If you have more money, you have more freedom, literally, to go do those things. And you can detach yourself mm-hmm from these other constraints that are placed on you. Um, but yeah, I, I have this, like everything is a trade-off though. Everything is a trade-off and, and especially at the earlier side of your career, like we're hopefully still on the, on the upswing, right? Like we're, we're making these trade-offs and we're trying to figure out these balances, but you, you had a good thing before you got this job, which was that you were, doing your own thing you were making your own way and you were creating your own projects and you had as much time and energy as you can confer to them at any given point in your life and to to trade off for you know more steady salary and benefits and a you know 
there's there's always this like give and take that comes with that but it's I think your your point about it being the point in your life where you want to do that I that I really feel that too I was like throughout part of my 20s I always had all these things I was working on too and I'm like I don't I don't see these taking off to a point where I can like do this for a living even if I wanted to and then when you do do it for a living if you are making a living off of your creative endeavors you have to tailor those endeavors to the tastes of your audience and everything so there's a trade-off there um and you're just always work well, this is the thing is that you're always working in the world of constraints it's life nothing is ever perfect nothing is ever exactly you know i'm, I'm so glad you said the world of constraints i feel like some of the subtle things that I'm learning through this job, which maybe it took me a longer time mm -hmm. than other people who have been like working the real world for a while, is that I sort of my intention every day is, can I find liberation? Can I find creativity within these constraints? Can I rediscover myself in a way that I didn't think I'd be able to mm -hmm. still within these boundaries? Like, can I make room for myself here? Um, and I think that's been really mm -hmm. cool to watch or for my, like watch myself and, or like, can I let myself be seen? One of the reasons I chose the, the company that I'm working at is it was, I was offered other jobs, but this one, people, the people that I interviewed yeah. with made me feel like I could be myself, like fully. They knew I was, I remember having in interviews. I had like six interviews for the job and having like really deep thoughtful conversations about curiosity and ideas and I thought oh wow they see mm -hmm. all of me and they're mm -hmm. not like everyone else like can you fit in a box right. like <laughs> like will you be able to like take feedback um not that they don't want those things and those also weren't part of it but can I like they want to see me as I am and so I feel like part of my subtle learning is mm -hmm. letting myself be seen for all of who I am, even in a place that is perhaps more constrictive than I'm used to, even in more of a corporate setting, even when there's like real deliverables that are outside of my own making, um, can I allow myself to be seen and therefore bring my gifts that I had previously and that I was working on in my own creative endeavors? Can I bring them here and feel like, oh, wow, they actually matter in this space and I'm fulfilled mm -hmm. with them? And that's mm -hmm. a question that I'm still answering. Yeah, well, you're incredibly lucky to have a workplace that fosters that sort of holistic approach to like developing people. And I think hopefully this is the, I mean, a lot of companies yeah. will print copy as if they're doing this, but I, I mean, I hope the trend is towards this type of thing because it's bet you get better people and the people that you get stay better and they do a better job when they're fully supported yes. like that, when they're not forced into a box. It's the shape of the job description that you're interviewing them for which is amazing that <laughs> hasn't quite been my experience, but I think even more so I've, I'm benefiting from that type of restrictive thing. And I'm learning to compartmentalize like, okay, during the day I'm doing my work yeah. at my job. And then there's other yeah. work that I can do when I'm not on the clock. That's also very important and very life-giving and that I don't want to have to rely on for an income. Yeah. Oh, okay. So let's get into that because that was one of the things I thought about today because I had been telling you I've been working a lot of overtime and I'm still sort of doing some other side projects. And so I just feel very overwhelmed. Right. And most days I haven't been done at five o'clock. And so, and we scheduled this podcast at 530. 
And so there's a side of me that was like, oh God, I don't know how I'm going to make time for this podcast. And then there was another part of me, the, the bigger part that I'm glad went out that was like, I really value my friendship with Zach and this is going to fuel me and nourish me. And I want to do this regardless mm -hmm. of how much work is mm -hmm. still sitting on my plate, like learning to compartmentalize. You had mentioned before we started recording um, that there can be the work that you do in your job, like to make money or whatever it is. And then there's other work that might not necessarily be part of your mm -hmm. job, but more part of yeah. like a spiritual foundation. And so I guess I'm wondering a couple of things. One, can work and purpose align? Can they be one and the same? Yeah. Or I guess like where they don't align, can you find that fuel outside of your, your job? Yeah, there, there are lots of different types of works that don't fit into, I think what most companies or, or most organizations would pay someone to do for their job. And you can do certain types of like charitable work or, you know, nonprofit type community organizing stuff. And people do find ways to make a living at that. And that's amazing and commendable, but those are really stand-ins for the work of building community that we ought to be doing anyway, mm. which my sense is that having such a ruthlessly capitalistic society, we've eroded a lot of the the, the space and the capacity for people to do that work for each other. And then we've commodified it and monetized whatever comes in to fill that gap. So instead of having multi-generational households, everything is a single family household, but you have to hire a babysitter, Yeah, you know? Huh. So that's, you know, one example and um, everyone's life is different. So there are lots of reasons why maybe people wouldn't want to do that, but there is work of, building a life that you don't, you're not going to get paid for. And, and it's better if we could just do that for each other anyway, as a, as a mm. basic function of being human. There's also creative work. And you're someone who knows all about this. You're a writer and you have a whole line of things that you create and you produce and you make available to the world. And I'm of the belief, and I may or may not be in the minority here, I'm of the belief that you shouldn't make a living off of those either because mm -hmm. the quality intent of, of the work will often suffer or at least be directed towards the ends of making money off of it. That's really interesting. Um, I got to think about that for a moment. Um... This is also just my own sort of like anti-capitalist contrarian take because Lots of people would love if they play music and they love playing right. music and they work a day job so that they can have time at night to go play music in cafes and bars and clubs and whatever. They'd much rather not have to work the day job, right? Right. And that's always the, the thing. And plenty of people are maybe playing pop music where they wouldn't have to compromise anything to be broadly appealing to people, mm. right? My own experience my own sense is that when you do something that isn't like that's when you can be the most free to create is if you're not doing it for anything yeah you're you're absolutely right and I think any books that I've written like there is in the back of my mind this thought of like will this be appealing will someone want to pay for this mm -hmm. and it starts like making me question my worth one of the things that I feel in my work right now. So as, as you know, I'm, I'm working in an a nonprofit that supports 
people impacted by Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I'm sort of getting, I'm thinking about it now as you were talking, I'm getting this weird high off of the fact of there are moments in my day where I'm doing, you know, writing the press release that needs to be written. And, you know, that's not mm -hmm. super creative or like, you know, revolutionary or changing the world in any way. Mm -hmm. And then I'm having conversations during maybe a small part of my day with people who are care partners or spouses to loved ones with Parkinson's disease or people with Parkinson's disease themselves or adult children or, you know, mm. and those moments are really moving and really powerful. And when I get to lean into that storytelling, even if it's only a small part of my day, there's this like weird or like perverse high I get about like when I'm able to fit in a story that's really meaningful. And that's the kind of story I would have put in a book and mm. I'm able to like put it on, on my organization's website or fit it into a newsletter, even if I'm ghostwriting it for someone else. Mm -hmm. Like there's this like little sense of high of like, oh, I see you box. And also I'm trying to find a way to bloom within you. And so I guess mm. my, my point of bringing that all up is I've always wanted to like take both my hands, like work and purpose and bring them together. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's realistic. Yeah, I think as far as developing your craft as a writer that's a really great opportunity that you have to do that but if you were to just publish like a collection of those things that you write in copy for your organization that probably wouldn't make a very compelling oh most of it now release, right yeah <laughs> so that's that's exactly the thing is I don't know anyone who writes copy who is going to be releasing a collection of their best copy you know oh, as no. like right yeah of course not so no. if you're um if I'm talking about like little storytelling you. moments, like those little, like yeah. little nuggets. But I, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. but that's Keep that's up. kind of like a, it's a gift, really. That surplus that you're able to get yeah. on top of just the regular expected input that you're you're giving into your job. You get to yeah. give this extra bit, and that's really gratifying to you. Um, and again, like you're really lucky to have this opportunity to do all that. Yeah, because you could just be writing stuff you hate. You could be writing yeah. like search engine optimization where you're just repeating oh, God, keywords no. over yeah, that was, right and I, that's what a lot of writers find themselves doing because they want a job yeah. where they can make money as a writer and that's mm. how you make money as a writer these days in a lot of cases um i want to add a caveat to all this because i'm sounding like i don't I, I think that like creatives shouldn't get paid for their work and that's not at all what i want to put out into the world right like a this type of rhetoric has been used to justify like Spotify not paying their artists or right. um, you know people pirating and sharing things that don't make any money for the artists who make them. So I, so I don't want to like contribute to that line of thinking that like oh if you're making anything that's creative or not immediately beneficial to to the systems of capital that mm. you know but but then the flip side is like there's a lot of really bad art that's made for incredibly rich people. And those people spend a shitload of money on it. And it serves no purpose except to convey to other people that they have lots of money and we're mm -hmm. able to afford a, I don't know, fill in the blank. I won't mention any particular like modern artists that basically <laughs> make expensive decor, but right. that's a lot of what it is. And there, <laughs> there are plenty of very talented artists who don't make it to that level who also deserve to get paid and who are usually struggling and would benefit more from someone paid a couple hundred dollars for a drawing that they did or, you know. Right. Yeah, what, right? So, what gets uplifted as art or that's paid for uh, is not worthy only- worthy of being paid for, right? Yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I'm actually gonna, well, okay. So we've talked a little bit about sacrifices and trade-offs. Um, and I wanna get into some of these like more macro things that you know you had told me about beforehand, but have you almost like have a list in your mind of what you're realizing as you hit your thirties, what's valuable to you in a good life? Like what, what you want? I don't mean things. I mean, it doesn't have to yeah. be things, but. Um, I'm realizing the, the practice of having work is really beneficial. Whatever it is, the practice of having to go and do something, leaving your home to do it, I think is really important. I think people are going to get very sick of remote work sooner or later. Um, so going someplace, even if it's to a coffee shop or on the street, um, to go and do work is hugely valuable because as I'm finding, I'm spending a lot more time at work. I value the time I have at home much more. And there's this nagging um, and kind of crippling anxiety that you get if you've been unemployed for a long time or if you're underemployed, where all of your free time feels like you're not using it well. Mm. And so none of your time is actually free because it's all yeah. being impinged upon by this demand that you make more of yourself, right? Yes. So I think for me, like, I want to be at a point where I'm satisfied enough with what my career is that I don't feel the need to do more outside of it. Um, mm. Not that I wouldn't want, like, again, like, I want a creative outlet. I want these things um, to do in my spare time and to do outside of work that I think make life a lot better. Um, but to not feel the constant need of like, oh, you need to get a new job. You need to be working on your resume. You need to be reaching out to people. You need to go to this networking dinner, even though these events are bullshit and they're awful and everyone hates yeah. them, but you have to go to it, right? And then if you don't do those things, the time that you spend doing other things, even if it's really self-enriching or if it's really good for you to do them, they're always impinged in my experience uh, upon by this guilt or... Um, mm whether it's internal or external, the sense that like you, you could and should be making more of yourself, right? And there's always that pressure in, in a society as like driven towards success, I guess, as ours is, right? Um, yeah. You're always expected to do more and be more and, and continue becoming better and better. Um, but there's a really great like joy you can take in just like, I don't know, enjoying life. It's finally getting cool enough outside and I won't say cold because it's mm -hmm. October and it's 70 degrees out today, mm -hmm. but um, you can make fires in the fireplace. And like my apartment has a working fireplace. Yeah. So my partner and I have been just like sitting by the fire and we'll watch like an episode of Twin Peaks yeah. or eat dinner in the living room and just like enjoy the fire. And mm. when you are making a fire in the fireplace or you make a campfire or bonfire or whatever you're very aware of time passing because you put a log on and then it burns and it goes away and you put another log on so mm. that experience for me is like this has nothing to do with what you asked i'm sure i'm just like rambling but that oh, no, experience I, I, to me is like really illustrated illustrative of like you have all this time that you're not working Right. Mm. I think I've grown to appreciate that division between work and not work or work and like like career work, on the clock work, lay, paid labor, right? Labor mm. as a economic act and then work of being at home and cooking or, you know, mm. not work of just relaxation. 
Um, I, you can I, relax a lot harder after you put a full day's work in. Yeah, I, that's something that has been sort of revelatory for me too, that my off time, I'm suddenly like, oh, this is mine and I can just breathe in it if I want to. Because mm-hmm. there was always pressure, even though before I was always working. Like there was, you know, there was always more, always thinking of a new idea. But because to the outside world, it didn't always look like that turned into money. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, I always have to be doing more because I'm not being like financially productive in every moment. Right. And so that, yeah, there was, there was this sense of guilt around like any free time that I had to like almost apologize for it. Mm-hmm. And even I feel like my relationship to my dad has shifted. Mm-hmm. And I bring that up because I think, you know, he comes from like, he's in finance, very like corporate structured background, didn't understand anything I was doing with my life, thought I was mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as I got further in my entrepreneurial endeavors and he saw like things happening, there was less, you know, less fighting between us. But I, there was always this sense of like, I knew if something didn't go right or didn't go well, he'd be like, well, why don't you just get a, like anything could be a provocation for like, why don't you get a real job? Right. That might even not be work related, but just anything that annoyed him about something Mm -hmm. I was doing, like, why don't you get a real job? Yeah. And now I'm sort of like, oh you know, and that's not a reason to get a job. That's not a reason. (laughs) (laughs) I had a similar experience that made me not want to get a real job. So, Well, I felt that too. Like for a long time, it was like, I don't want to live your life. I don't, I don't want that path. That, that doesn't always, doesn't necessarily seem to have worked out really well for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I don't want this because this, I think I was at a place where I was choosing it. And we were talking about like age a little bit. I, at 31, I'm like, oh, it's no longer cute that I, I don't have the health insurance that I need mm. um, or I have to like pay for like a really ch- shitty plan. Like, you know, like, cause mm. I'm paying for it out of my own pocket. Like, yeah, I relate to that. And I think as far as like not wanting to reproduce the patterns that yeah. your parents went through, um, it's not to say you should throw the whole thing out either, because if it was a good enough life to produce you in the way that you came out, then there's at least parts of it that worked. Um, there are certainly parts of it that don't work. Uh, for me personally, like I, I know I want to be in a city. I know I want to, you know. You mean you don't love Long Island? Live a different lifestyle <laughs> in, in a couple of different ways. No offense to the Long Islanders who are listening and I'm on Long I've Island. Had enough, so, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, me too. No, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, it's a different experience living out here and living in the city. We can get, we can do a whole episode on you know basically how robert moses built the place out so that it would be a haven for white flight and how absolutely you know it's still one of the most segregated places in the country and Mm -hmm. the way that all of that aside the experience of living out here is you go from your house to your car and if you have an attached garage you don't leave the house to get into the car you just get in and open the garage door and you back out and then you go to wherever you're going and you park the car there. And if it's not the grocery store or the gym, you're probably not going to bump into anyone that you don't want to see deliberately. Mm-hmm. You go to your office. If you work in an office, you go to wherever it is you work, you work there and then you go home or you go to the place where you socialize with people. Usually you go to your friend's house and you go to their house specifically and you see them. So I find it very isolating. I find it, um, you know, to be lacking in spontaneity. Um, mm-hmm not to mention lacking in all of the sorts of like cultural resources and things that a city offers. I mean, I, I 
learn to thrive there and take that for granted to an extent and then not being cut off from things having you know not being able to just go and see art or go see a concert or something like on a whim Mm -hmm. um I recognize the degree to which I'm spoiled by that but it's also like that's that's how I want to raise my kids to be able to do that stuff too I want them to be exposed to it um and I don't think you have to apologize for that. Like right. that's, you know what you value and you know what you want. And mm-hmm. that's great that you lean to that. Some people don't know or not are not aware and can't choose from right. that empowered place because, the, you know, or don't have the luxury to. And that's a whole other story. Um, I guess sort of veering off a little bit because uh, anytime I talk to you, it can go on for hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to be mindful. I'm like, we haven't even gotten to like half the things we said we were going to talk about. So you had mentioned the lying flat movement, perhaps. Now yeah. I say perhaps because you told me like, oh, maybe we can talk about this. And I said, oh, I'm going to look up, look it up so I can be informed. Didn't look it up. <laughs> so you're going to educate me on the fly All and right. hopefully it somehow connects back because I don't, I didn't have a good transition because I don't even know what it is. Sure. So um, this does tie in a bit. It is a little bit of a left turn, but it ties into how we're talking <laughs> about people sticking with jobs that don't work for them, that aren't fulfilling, that burn them out. Um, There's a a parallel to this happening in the US that people are calling the great resignation, which is the trend of higher earners resigning from jobs that people otherwise would love to have, right? These are desirable jobs generally, these are competitive jobs to get into and the people who have them are saying, you know what, this is not worth the, you know, awful quality of life or the lack of work-life balance or the all of, you know, all these other trade-offs that I've had to make to maintain it. Um, in China, this takes the form of a protest movement called Lying Flat. And it's a movement of young people, people early in their mm-hmm. careers who are, you know, working and, and ostensibly making decent money. And, um, you know, they're moving upwards. They're, you know, a lot of it is that they're not making great money and they're working very, very hard. Um, so part of it is that they they feel consumed by work. They feel like this is taking over their lives. They're not being rewarded for it. So it's young people who choose to become slackers. Mm-hmm. It's like very similar to the slacker movement that happened in the US. Um, and basically it is when you live as minimalistic a life as possible so you don't need to work. Mm-hmm. So it's not only a lack in, in work or an opting out of work, but it's an opting out of the consumption that necessitates a higher level of work as well. Right. Um, which I think we could take a, a page out of that over here because that's what drives a lot of the need for higher and higher earning is the need for higher and higher levels of consumption where you want this lifestyle, you want the big house and all the fancy mm-hmm. stuff and things to put in it. So you have to work harder to get it. There are Facebook groups like the Lying Flat group and mm-hmm. just a picture of somebody or like an animal or something lying flat on their back is like a, a protest symbol um but again it's like this the image of a person or of anybody like a being not working and being in the position where they're not working if you're lying on your back you're not doing anything productive really um yeah unless i don't know you're on an you're an auto mechanic and you're on one of those little rolly thingies <laughs> that i don't know what they're called 
it's an interesting image for a protest movement, like someone lying flat. Yeah. Like normally, like not a call to action. It's the most laid back sort of call to action that there can be because it's a call to to rest essentially. Yeah. Exactly, and there's there's a line in there about um, lying flat is standing up horizontally. The spine is straight. Mm. Right. So mm -hmm. you're not sacrificing dignity you're not um yeah being cast aside by society you're mm -hmm. making a proactive choice to not do something right mm -hmm. and as we're talking about the spiritual understanding of like what work is and like work needing to be a spiritual thing uh or inherently being a spiritual thing this is something that like Karl Marx explicitly talks about and this is something that informs a lot of his work where the relation between capital and labor is that labor performs work and then is compensated according to what the quote unquote market value of that work is. But there's always a surplus and the capital capitalist mm -hmm. takes the surplus, right? Mm -hmm. So the worker feels alienated. It feels like something's being taken from you to lie flat to opt out is a way of trying to rest back the autonomy basically you you, mm -hmm. you take back your um ability to determine your own outcome even if again you're in life that there are all um there are always uh constraints and limitations and these are always trade-offs so you can't be free and make the salary you're making at your own job yeah. uh, before you quit right you, you trade one for the other but the realization that work is a spiritual endeavor it's what you spend most of your time doing mm -hmm. right for most of your life it's it's spent working and to to know that you can at least choose not to do what you're doing even mm -hmm. if you can't choose to do any number of other things. Um, it's interesting to now see people exercising just that basic right and that basic freedom to opt out of things because before it would have been unthinkable or there would have been too much pressure, um, maybe culturally, if not economically, for people to take jobs that they uh, are being worn out by. Mm. So, Yeah, I think it's that it's almost like this big counter swing that mm -hmm. happens because there's this toxic culture of overwork. Mm -hmm. And so almost because it's so strong that the counter to that is to opt out or disengage. But like you said, it's almost like you're making trade-offs and sacrifices at each point, which is life. Mm -hmm. uh, and I guess that's sort of what I meant before when I was saying like, take my two hands like work and purpose and can I bring them together and I don't think they meld together perfectly um like in my job like I said there's like stuff I have to do that's just the stuff of mm -hmm. like the copy the run it like that right, uh, right. and then there's there's like these moments of like connection and creativity and I'm wondering if like there's a balanced way that I can go about this life of mine where I mm -hmm. can work and you know understand constraints and understand all of those things and have these like moments that like again I blossom in or is it possible to ever like move more in that direction where even the work that I'm getting paid for and I maybe that's because also we're in this culture of like 
celebrating celebrity and like anyone can become, and I'm not looking to become famous. I mean, right. like right. anyone can become famous. Anyone can make it, you know, the Justin Bieber story, whatever. Right. I don't know what his story is, but you know what I mean? It's 13 or whatever. And it's plucked out of obscurity, right. whatever. Um, so those are just like open-ended questions that I don't really yeah. have an answer for. Them. The celebrity thing is interesting because the implication of, oh, anyone can become a celebrity is that everyone should. Yes. If anyone can do it, <laughs> you know, there's, there's no, you know, necessarily like structure that you have to know the rules of and know how to play this, this political game of becoming a celebrity. Anyone can just post on social media and get a following. Well, then everyone should be doing that all the time. And again, this is one of those things where you have um, something external demanding something of your time. If you're not posting, you should be posting. Uh, if you're not working towards this goal of becoming a star at whatever it is that you do, you should be working harder. And if you're not and you don't become successful, then it's it's on you. Um, and there's a degree- You're always like yeah, feeding all, the beast. Right, right. Yeah. There's a degree to which we're all responsible for our own decisions. But the thing is that the desire has been prescribed for you. Yes. You don't even get to say, I do or I don't want to, to be this. It's sort of just assumed that this mm. is what you should want. You should want to be as successful as possible. You should want yeah. to- work all the time and have as much money as you can possibly make and everything that goes with it. And it's important to note that the lying flat movement disavows excess consumption just as much as it does excess work. Because obviously if you're not working, you can't consume as much, but it's also that if you don't have to consume as much, you don't have to work as much. Mm. So those are like, there's both sides of it that, that have to happen simultaneously. And as people in America quit their jobs, if they have enough money saved up, they can maybe maintain the same lifestyle for a while, but then they'll either have to go back to work or maybe move to a less expensive part of the country or mm -hmm. not go on expensive vacations or whatever it is that they're used to. And I don't know, life can be very gratifying when you live it a little more simply and deliberately, right? This is why people still read like Thoreau. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But we romanticized. I wasn't a, that a fan lot. of that book, but yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, I feel like it was definitely romanticized. So it's like, but that's a side note. But there's a degree which that's <laughs> I'm not going to get into my throat. Yeah. Because if you have all of these possessions and you have a huge house that you have to maintain it, then you have to make payments yeah. on it and you have to pay someone to fix it up when you can't do it yourself. And even if you can do it for yourself, you have to put the work into doing it. And you know, if you're not renting, or sorry, if you're renting, you don't own the place, you're not building equity, and, and you're not maybe being the best capitalist, but you do have a much simpler existence. Mm. Um, very much like if you don't have a career, but you work odd jobs, right, you aren't building skills, and you're not moving along the, the progression that maybe it's expected of you, or that most people would want to move along, but you also don't have to go to work. <laughs> like that's nice sometimes <laughs> to not have to do that, especially if you're really burnt out and yeah. you've been going to work so much that you're at your wit's end, right? So like, yeah, like everything is conditioned by these trade-offs, but it's the decision to stay or to leave or to even like switch career paths for a lot of people, right? And this is happening now after the pandemic, but it comes on the back of like two solid decades of, of professional people saying like, oh, I am burnt out of being a corporate lawyer. I'm going to go start an artisanal bakery, right? Mm -hmm. And they want to work with their hands and they want to do labor that is more gratifying that they can immediately see the results of it. Um, 
there's something, there's a whole movement of people, you know, college educated professional level people who go and start bars and they start cooking and they go back and start farming and they repair motorcycles, right? Like Zen and the Art mm. of Motorcycle Maintenance is the book, right? Yeah. There's like all these movements towards wanting to use your hands again and wanting your labor to not be as alienated, right? And to mm. take more ownership of what it is that you do. And this is like sort of the, the hope of both like the socialist utopia and the capitalist entrepreneur converge here where you want to be the person benefiting from your labor yeah and that's something that like it blows my mind that both sides like can't see that they're working towards the same goal but in very different (laughs) um terms really Mm. and one is coming from it from the perspective of I own all the things I want to benefit from it the other is coming from I'm a worker I'm having my surplus labor taken from me um but I think everyone wants the same thing which is to go to work and to to put in a hard day's work and to do something that people value and that benefits the world around you and then to be compensated justly for it. Mm. I, you know, as you mentioned all these, these trade-offs and almost like I said before, like feeding the beast, I feel like no matter which direction you go, it's like coming up that, but I, I feel like life is a lesson in, in moderating these different impulses mm-hmm. and sort of swinging back and forth there are times where you need to rest and be like it's too much Mm -hmm. and there are times when you do too much of that rest and you're not doing anything that you feel like no I need that structure again and so I think it's like somehow riding this wave Mm -hmm. and finding this place of balance and it could be different in each season in each moment and I feel like perhaps that's where you and I are transitionally in work of I was in this one place at least for me and now I feel like oh I'm in this other season but it doesn't mean this is the season I want for the next 50 years of my life Mm -hmm. it's this is where I am and I'm going to grow through it and then there's perhaps going to be like a backlash to it and and another season Mm -hmm. um the last thing that I don't have a lightning round for you today. Um, okay. the, <laughs> I was working too much to prepare. <laughs> That's okay. Um, but the the last thing I guess I want to ask you, and then we do have to end this. Yeah. Um, and I'll try to like, if you, you know, you don't have to like go extensively into this, but work in terms of like, sometimes people say like he's doing the work, like, and it could mm. be like spiritual work, social justice work. It doesn't mean work on yourself. Can you just give a little glimpse in, in your life of what maybe the work, that kind of work is for you, like what that practice is? Yeah. Um, right now at this point in my life, I think it has to do with trimming excess and focusing, you know, and, um, you know, making, I don't know, I, th- I think of like doing the work and in, in terms of like recovery um, and, you know, this is something that like, people will talk about is like you recover from addiction right? you have to put the work and you do the work every single day mm-hmm. and I'm coming off a period of my life where I wanted to work but I didn't know what it meant right mm-hmm. and now I'm at the point where I'm doing something every day that I didn't pick for myself really like this is just what was available to me and I am in this position it's I'm, I'm grateful for it I think I'm doing well at it I'm learning a lot but I have to keep going in and doing it um Mm -hmm. so there's a degree of like humility that I had to learn in subordinating my own like I wouldn't even say will like fantasies 
to the yes. reality of like, I need money and health insurance, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I need to become more employable. I need to be somebody mm-hmm. who can have a job because I was getting turned down for stuff that I thought would I'd be a shoe in. And it was really right. just because I hadn't done anything of value in a number of years that I could really trade on. So and that value again is relative, but yeah. In yeah. the most capitalistic sense, right? Value. Exactly. I did a lot of yes. really great things that I'm I don't regret in the last couple of years. Yeah. But I haven't made the best case for myself in, in HR terms, right? But um no, it is about building that back up and doing the daily work of okay you have 80 different creative projects that you want to work on but you don't have time for all those maybe pick one right right? (laughs) because you're going to be at work all day you're not going to get home until five um Mm -hmm. and then you're going to have to have time to eat and then you're going to have to go sleep early enough where you get back up the next day and go back and you're not tired at your job because you were up all night doing something else so you have a certain amount of time during your evening that you can put work into it and Mm -hmm pick the one thing you want to work on and do it right um and that's really like elucidating for me I think just to to have those constraints really really solidly placed on on my life it again it makes you appreciate the time that you're not at work you're not working but it also focuses my mind on when I'm trying to do something else for my life. I'm taking time to meditate and to exercise and to work on myself. Um, th- that's done very deliberately. And it's done with an, an understanding of like, well, this is the amount of time I have in my day and this is how I choose to use it, right? Mm. Um, that's, I think that's elucidating, like how am I choosing to use it? And you're almost being forced to really be present with this one thing that you're creating rather mm-hmm. than having your hands sort of in all these different projects. Like, can I be present right here with this one thing without letting it mm-hmm. like your attention drift off? I, I think one of the things, and we sort of have referenced this throughout the episode that I'm learning through this process of my threshold moment with work is a little bit of a spontaneity is, um, in the uncertainty, just sort of being like, it doesn't have to be perfect and I'm gonna throw it out there and I'm gonna let it land and let it be seen before it's perfect or before it's done. I'm learning that in my writing process at work, people have to see drafts and things that I don't really know. And and I feel like that was sort of, tonight I, I wanna thank you for letting me be spontaneous and not having a plan and letting that be my practice of another form of work. Um, and as always, it's just like, honestly, and I mean, it's like such a joy. I like to, to talk with you and reflect. And I'm so grateful that you offered me your time when you have a lot going on and that I took this time because it's something that just feeds me and it's good. And I hope it, I hope it feeds some other people who listen too. Yeah. I hope it's good. <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea. We just had this whole conversation. I'm like, I was thinking about you, honestly, trash, like, I don't know. <laughs> I like I I love everything that you're saying, but I'm like, will anyone else understand what we're talking about if you're not in our lives or in our situation? <laughs> yeah, it's just it's funny because I like I can hear so many of like my friends and family just being like, you like, what do you know about any of this? Like you're at your first like quote unquote real job, right? In your adult life. 
you know, like, like, who are you to talk about what work is? But I don't know. I think it's like a different perspective. Yeah, a bigger, I don't think we talked about advice. I don't think any of us gave advice on on actual like professional work. um, Because I think neither of us, I should speak for myself, is, is very qualified for that. I think it was just this exploration and perhaps for anyone who might be in a similar phase. And so maybe this is a very niche episode. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll find themselves in it. Cause if I, I would probably need to listen to it, a conversation like this right now, which is why I asked you to have it. I could have used it like a couple of years ago. Yeah. So I don't know. I think like if you could say something now to yourself at 26, what would that be? Mm. Oh, wow. That's a great question. I think I wouldn't have taken anything back as much as part of me is like, get a job sooner, do this sooner. I think I was where I was Mm. and I, I sort of needed to be there. Things I would say at 26 were, I guess, look, what I'm learning now, like allow yourself to be seen as who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't be afraid of connection like lean into it. Mm -hmm. Don't shy away from that. Especially when it comes to like, not even just work, but just meeting people, like explore the world. Mm -hmm. I would have said more of that because that's going to feed you. Um, And a little bit of fearlessness. I mean, fear is like things you should be afraid of certain things, but just don't hold back. And I was just thinking about the other day in life, like, like the times, you know, you didn't tell someone you loved them or they like at the end of the day, what are you going to think about at the end of your life? Are you going to think, you're going to think about the things you held back. And I just feel that somehow that applies to work too. Like all these moments of like all this fear around like, am I worthy? What will people think of me? Am I qualified? Am I good enough? Am I, you know, whether in work or life, it's just sort of like, just try. Yeah. <laughs> and I know there are more constraints than that. And it's not as simple and we're human beings and we are living a human experience, but yeah, I think letting go of control. And I, I find that also even, I notice that my job is, is remote. And so I spend eight hours a day or more staring at a computer because even your meetings are via Zoom. Mm-hmm. So you can't just get up and go to someone's desk and like ask them a question. You have to like be on a screen. And so I've noticed like tension in my neck. and But I also noticed that because I'm new at my work. And so like in every meeting, I'm like holding my body really still. And there's this like tension and I'm not breathing. And I am trying to remember to have this like openness Mm. in my body to have this like allowing things like this spontaneity, this fluidity. And I know I'm saying like a bunch of things at once, but I feel like somehow that's all connected. Like allow yourself to be, allow Mm -hmm. yourself to take up space Mm -hmm. physically, spiritually, just in everything. Um, And I guess I'm going to, the last word and toss the, the question back to you. Yeah, um, I think like the whole go for it thing is really important. Um, yeah. I know I can relate to like, oh, I don't want anyone to see me not be my best. So I'm not going to yeah. go for it. And I spent most of my 20s doing that. Um, but then I think also like, yeah, just take what you can get and apply yourself to it, um, mm. you know be be grateful for the opportunities rather than like holding out holding out trying to get the one perfect thing that's gonna let you be this imagined version of yourself but then don't let it define you right Mm. so take take what 
comes your way, put yourself into it, get good at it, you know, abandon yourself to it, but then take the time back when you have it for yourself and be yourself outside of that job. See, this is why I appreciate you because you have these nuggets of wisdom. And I was like talking fluidly about all this like random stuff and you were just able to like synthesize it. Like you took what I said and you like put it in a sentence and then you were able to take this whole experience of your life and just put it into like a, a few sentences that are clarifying. So thank you. <laughs> and you, you are definitely... Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why I was, I was going to say you are, you have to be a continued recurring guest. You're the first person actually to come back. My podcast has been on a year now. You were the, I keep telling people like, come back, come back. But you were the first one that we're like, I, we need to make this happen. And I'm really grateful. And so Mm -hmm. you're welcome back anytime. Oh, thanks. I'm sure I'll take on that. I better no, and I was going to say, I better cut this off now because we both have to go to bed early. Right. (laughs) (laughs) To get back to our nine to five. Exactly. Exactly. I need to know everything. Who in the what and the where I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's new what you're telling me. I'm curious, George. I hop in the Porsche, there's five on a horse. I'm ready for war. I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost. I need to know everything. Now you be surprised at the info you get is by letting them talk, so I'm letting them talk. Gotta keep quiet, maneuver in science, then let them in talk up their body. Another one body, that's just how it go. I got some secrets, I'm shaking the game so they stay on their toes. Stay in your lane, I'll stay on the go. I can to play with the pros and act like a rookie, so they overlook me. They're not double up again, none of their nose. None of them cold, they just got lucky but never adapted. So I'm to the one if it's coming to blows. My enemies cutting it close. I let them think that they got me, but what do you know? I had them beat before we ever spoke. I'm ready for smoke. I need to know everything, who in the what and the where I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's new what you're telling me. I'm curious, George. I hop in the Porsche, five and a horse. I'm ready for war. I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost. I need to know everything.